0: Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. Joining me today is Dr. Ned Hollowell. Ned is a board certified child and adult psychiatrist and world authority on ADHD. He is a graduate of Harvard College and Tulane Medical School and was a Harvard Medical School faculty member for 21 years. He is the founder of the Hollowell ADHD Centers and has spent the past four decades helping thousands of adults and children live happy and productive lives through his strength-based approach to neurodiversity. Ned, it's nice to have you back. Welcome to the show. Nice to be with you. Nice to have you. You know, I know as a returning guest, our last time together was talking about ADHD in children. And today's topic is going to be ADHD and this condition experienced by adults. As we start out, if you would, please give our listeners kind of a, just a summary of attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder.
1: Well, the easiest way to sum it up, you've got a Ferrari engine for a brain, (laughs) but you have bicycle brakes. So you have tremendous power of mind, but the challenge is to control it. Yeah. And the term attention deficit is completely inaccurate. I have the condition myself. I don't have a deficit of attention. I have an abundance of attention. Again, my challenge is to control it, to ride herd on it. Our minds are are like bucking broncos. They're jumping all over the place. And somehow we got to get a saddle on it and have us go somewhere instead of just up and down in the air. But we're the entrepreneurs, we're the yes. risk takers, we're the dreamer, the visionary, the seer. Whoever invented the wheel definitely had ADHD. It's interesting, the The man who invented the electronic ticket, David Nealman, who founded JetBlue Airlines, has big time ADD. And I think it's <laughs> ironic that, that someone with ADD who thinks of a way for us to go to the airport and not have to remember to bring our ticket. I remember the days when if you didn't have your ticket, you were out of luck. You were out of luck. No, no longer, thanks to someone with ADD. So so it's a widely misunderstood condition. People think it's just hyperactive little boys. Nothing could be further from the truth. Adult men, adult women. And again, the picture is the creative, the original, the entrepreneur, the restless, the dreamer, the visionary, the seer, the big hearted, the generous, but also the strong willed and the stubborn. And our challenge is we can't do boredom we repel from boredom. Boredom is our kryptonite. Mm-hmm. So anything that's boring, our mind goes elsewhere. It doesn't go empty. That's why deficit is such a misnomer, but it goes right. elsewhere. So paperwork, details, seeing the towel on the bathroom floor, we don't leave it there on purpose. We just don't even see it. Right. Anything that is not gripping, interesting, spellbinding, we're not in for it. We, it's not a matter of will. It's not that we're refusing to do it. We don't, we don't see the stop sign because it's not interesting enough. If it were flashing, we might see it. But, and so we drive right through it. I mean, it can be very dangerous having this condition, very dangerous, because we just don't do boredom. We just can't do it. So we have to strategize to find ways to make sweating the details interesting. You know, I can't tell the IRS, golly, I have ADD, right. paying taxes is just too boring. Right. You know, I've, I've got to either hire someone to do it for me, which is what I do, or figure out a way to get it done myself. So we, this condition is not an excuse to get out of taking responsibility, mm-hmm. but it is a powerful explanation to help you take responsibility more effectively. And the, the goal is what I do as someone who treats this condition is to maximize the upside and minimize the downside. I'm fond of saying I don't treat disabilities. I help people completely unwrap their gifts. And it's pretty common for people with undiagnosed adult ADHD to be underachieving. They may be Mm -hmm. doing very well, but they know Mm -hmm. they could be doing better if only they could find the key. And the key very often is this diagnosis. Once they get the diagnosis, invariably, their achievement level goes up. The only question is, how much will it go up?
0: You talk about a strength-based approach, and I love even as you're talking about this out of the gate, these are the strengths that get to be understood and channeled in right ways for the success that someone has the potential for. I really like that. Take us back just for a minute to the child with ADHD and what's typically being manifest. How would we know? What might we see? And I'd like to know for that child going through this, what are they thinking and feeling? And maybe what are some of their relational experiences like?
1: Well, it's the same picture. Race car brain with bicycle brakes. They're all over the place. Their their mind is going a mile a minute. Okay. And they're overlooking, you know, boring details. And depending upon who's taking care of them, parent and teacher being the two key people, they're either being mistreated, abused, shamed, humiliated, punished, as they have been throughout history, or they have enlightened parents and teachers. Yeah. They're, being, they're being given structure. They're being given reminders. They're, <clears throat> they're being redirected. They're being stimulated. Yes, And their creativity is being fed, and they're they're growing and developing in, in wonderful ways. Right. Uh, by the way, they also often have dyslexia, which I have as well, which means they're slow to read. So they, they hopefully will be getting tutoring to help them with reading. So the, the right interventions for a child set him or her up for a tremendous future. Problem is still most kids don't get the help that would set them on a good track. And that's why the prisons are way overrepresented with people with undiagnosed ADD and the walls of the addicted and the unemployed and the marginalized and the depressed, all way overrepresented with adults with undiagnosed ADHD. And they were not identified in childhood. Instead, they were simply punished and ridiculed and, you know, told they were stupid and told they should shape up and get a grip and, you know, get lectures on moral what I call moral diagnoses. You're not fulfilling your potential. You should try harder. And they're trying as hard as they can, and they're getting nowhere. So their self-esteem goes to the basement and they drop out. If they're lucky, like David Nealman, who did drop out, you know, they become incredible successes and they contribute to the world. But if they're not lucky, which you don't want to, you know, luck is not a good strategy. You don't want to rely on that. The the outcome can be terrible. This condition can ruin a person's life, but at the same time, it's what makes it so interesting. It can make a person's life. Like David Niemann says, it's the key to his success. You bet. This ability to think outside the box, this ability to take chances, this ability to keep, you know, persisting and developing and creating and growing.
0: I've heard you say the same thing. And I want to come near the end of our show today You talk about taking the three main components and turning them on their heads. I wanna come back to that a little bit later on and how those can be seen in a really growth-oriented way, the strength-based approach you're talking about. Take me into the life of, and our listeners into the life of a child with ADHD, let's say that's maybe diagnosed or maybe it's not, and how they go into their adult years. At its worst, they get into the prison systems, you know, un- undiagnosed. They get into different aspects of life, substances, et cetera, that are really challenging and truly misunderstood. I'm quite sure how to phrase this, but kind of the average person, kind of going through life with ADHD. Maybe they're married, parenting. What do their lives tend to be like relationally in their jobs? Yeah,
1: well, et barring, barring terrible outcomes, more commonly they're simply underachieving. They may be doing well. They may have made, made making a good living, you know, happily married or partnered and children if they want them all, it can all look good, but they know they're underachieving. They know if only I could find the key, I could be doing so much better. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, most doctors still don't recognize adult ADD when they see it. So unless they get lucky or read one of my books or listen to this podcast, uh, they are pretty much going to have a life of underachievement and just chalk it up to not trying hard enough or not getting lucky enough and, or finding the right opportunity. And that's a shame, because if they can get the diagnosis, then their their achievement level will almost right. guaranteed increase. And then they'll, they'll have the fulfillment of of fully unwrapping their gift as opposed to right. the frustration of knowing they they as the great line in the movie on the waterfront, as Marlon Brando put it, I could have been a contender, you know, right. And the, these guys and gals could have been a contender. And, and that, by the way, mentioning gals, adult ADD in women is the most undiagnosed group. And yeah. if they go for help, almost invariably, they'll get called depressed or anxious or, right. or simply don't have what it takes. And they'll be put on an SSRI, which is the last thing they need. The doctor who actually can see you know, the condition and and teach them about it. Yeah. then the sky's the limit. And it's so much fun to work with these women. And sure, they they show signs of depression and anxiety yes. because it's depressing to be yes. underachieving despite yes. your best efforts. And it's anxious not to know what you're going to forget next, how you're going to misspeak next, what you're going to overlook next, to be called out for next. So they're walking around feeling anxious and, you know, low-grade depression But that's not, they don't need an antidepressant. They need a stimulant medication to get them focused, to get the eyeglasses, if you will, or the brakes for the Ferraris so they can win races, so they can make good on their potential, so they can deliver what they know they have in them to deliver.
0: Yeah, I so resonate with that. Ned, you're talking about how in the adult times, it oftentimes gets diagnosed. The people that I've worked with, with ADHD, women and men, like you're saying, contribute in significant ways, bright, articulate, great to be in relationship with. We wouldn't be surprised otherwise. However, they become so good at learning to compensate for these areas of challenge in their life that it doesn't always get clearly seen until I've listened to some of the stories or some of the challenges, ways they approach tasks, you know, where their mind goes and even watching them in the therapeutic relationship at times. It's not always easy to see if you don't know what you're looking for. What are people not seeing that they could pay attention to, to say, Hey, I I wonder if there's some signs or some things we're seeing here. The
1: the main thing is unexplained underachievement, someone who knows they could be doing better. And there's not an obvious reason for it, like being blind or, you know, not having food or, you know, sometimes it's obvious why you're not doing as well as you could be doing when they could Um, be doing better. Yeah. And, and so unexplained underachievement is the, is the tip off. And then just look, do you tend to space out when you're uh, yes, doing yes. something that doesn't interest you? And yeah. does your spacing out keep you from meeting goals, being on time, delivering on your promises and so on and so forth? Well, if that's the case, that's ADD. Yeah. And the intervention is start with education. You can start reading my book, ADHD 2.0, and then a trial of stimulant medication. Medication, everyone's so afraid of it. When it works, it's a godsend. Yeah. It's not necessary and it doesn't always work. But when it does work, it, it is an absolute uh, godsend. And it can be as life-changing as eyeglasses. Yeah. And that's really kind of what it does. It allows you to focus. So instead of wandering off all the time, your mind can stay on task. And, and even if the task is boring, you can stick with it. And then, by the way, when you, when you use the stimulant medication and your, your performance improves and you feel more in control, what had looked like depression and anxiety go away. That's right. And, That's and, a great uh, reminder. And, you know, it, it's just a shame that in so many of these women, I mean, I would say 99 out of 100, the diagnosis is missed. They get put on SSRIs and they don't get the help they should get.
0: We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Are you preparing for a licensure exam in psychology, social work, marriage and family therapy, counseling or behavioral analysis? AATBS is here to help. We have been supporting behavioral and mental health students to prepare for their licensure exams for more than 45 years, working with over 1 million students to succeed on test day and move on to the next step in their career. With products ranging from comprehensive courses to quiz banks and delivered live online, self-study online, and in print, AATBS has test prep solutions that meet every student's needs and learning styles. Visit us today at aatbs.com. That's AATVS.com and use promo code BHT15 to save 15% off your next purchase. Yeah, I've experienced the very, very same thing. You've got a great list of some recommendations we're going to come back to. Being in relationship, being the number one is like you said, kind of the the vitamin C of ways to approach this. It's that important and that fundamental. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Can you talk and just shift me a little bit around relationships where let's say marriage relationships, parenting relationships, speak to the partners of somebody in relationship that has the ADHD condition. What are they experiencing and maybe kind of validate and right-size some things that they go through?
1: Well. when it's undiagnosed, what typically develops is a parent-child dynamic, whereas the, yeah. the non-ADD spouse feels like she's got another child yeah. and picking up after him, reminding him, you know, getting him to do things, nagging him, so on and so forth. And nobody enjoys that. The ADD person doesn't enjoy it, so he avoids his spouse and the the spouse doesn't enjoy it. So, And it's also very anti-romantic. So your sex life goes out the window because you don't want to have sex with your mother or, or with your son. It's just not a good scene, yeah. parent-child dynamic in a marriage. But you get the diagnosis, you get the treatment, that goes away. Then suddenly this person can begin to take responsibility, behave like an adult, and you know you can restore all the good parts that you used to have in a marriage.
0: I think therein does lie the hope. I've seen the same thing when that comes under control, like you're describing, that relationship really has a chance to thrive. Prior to that, some of the marital work I've done, I've found the, you know, the spouse without the ADHD oftentimes feels lonely. They feel ignored. They feel like they can't rely on the other person. They feel like they've got the vast majority of the tasks in the home. They, they, they feel offended at times. They get all, you know, exhausted, depleted and it's really really tough and like you said what happens is that they they kind of get further and further apart and the person with the adhd feels like they're being parented feels like they can never do it right feels like they're gonna they're only as good until their last you know until their next mistake And it is a very very stressful dynamic isn't it yes it is yeah what do you notice in the parenting piece may i ask how are you helping folks parent with this understanding when this under control what do you see happening in terms well, of the I mean, change,
1: like, yeah, every, everything you do gets better. You know, when you can focus, yeah. when you can organize, when you can follow through, whether it's parenting or your golf game, I mean, everything, everything gets better with focus. Being a parent, you got to track a lot of details and you got to show up a lot of places on time and you got to, you know, engage in activities that aren't very interesting. So if you, if you have ADD and you don't know it, it's very difficult to be a very good parent you can have all the best intentions in the world but you if you're not following through it's 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 very difficult you know then yeah. it falls on the partner to pick up the slack but again come back to the importance of getting diagnosed and treated then all of that can reverse itself and you can become a great parent i have add and i've got 3 kids and i i'm here to tell you i am a fantastic parent and every single one of my kids would agree and so would my wife and our kids are now 32 29 and 26 but the growing up my wife did much more of the detail work, mm. but I did the stuff I was good at, the projects, the ideas, the the fun. And, and, you know, sometimes my wife got stuck with the role of heavy too much. And I, you know, I acknowledge that, but but she and our kids would would all agree that I was a, a wonderful father. And the reason is, number one, I, I knew what my shortcomings were and how to make up for the medication never worked for me. My medication was coffee. So I set up structures and reminders and ways of doing it. But the most important thing in my life was my kids. And I, yeah, I made sure. that the numero uno, put it before my career, before everything. Yeah. And with that kind of motivation, anyone can be a great parent.
0: Absolutely. And then talk about the steps that you'd recommend people taking either the partner that might be witnessing what they might think is ADHD in their partner or someone. Well, who le- learn, about learn about the condition,
1: learn yeah. about the condition. You know, I mean, you get my book ADHD 2.0. The chances are, if you read that, you'll know more than whatever doctor you would go to see. So go mm-hmm. to the doctor armed with that, not demanding, but say, look, I've read this and, and I think I fit the criteria. Can, yeah. you, can you tell me if you agree? And, and the criteria are right there. It's, it's not hard to see. You don't need a lot of expensive neuropsych testing. You can get it, and that's wonderful if you do get it. Provides very useful information, but the diagnosis is really made from the history and do do you have the symptoms or not? And if you do, then the book is full of tips and tricks. All you really need a doctor for is to prescribe the medication if you're going to try medication. More useful than a doctor is a coach, and you can get an ADHD coach and that's a whole industry of its own now. And, and you can just Google ADHD coach. You can go to coach Academy run by David Cork. Coaching can help whether you're a, a child or an adult. A coach is sort of what a parent would do uh, or a spouse would do minus the nag factor, they basically remind you and help you get organized
0: you have as uh, uh, treatment recommendations in the things I've read that you've written medication down your number five or so you have other things like relationship and exercise, non-medication, neurofeedback, for example, other mind. No,
1: no, no. I don't push neurofeedback. That, that's oh, usually, okay. that's usually not, not worth it. It's not worth okay. the money, but, but physical exercise, having a creative outlet is tremendously important all the non-medication interventions. And by the way, they all work better if medication works. So while I put medication further down the list, I don't mean to give it short shrift. When medication works, it's a godsend. It's like eyeglasses, but it makes all the non-medication interventions so much easier to implement. If if you can focus, it's easier to exercise. It's easier to pursue your creative outlet. You know, it's easier to work with a coach. I mean, all the all the non-medication interventions become easier if you have the benefit of medication. But as I said, it doesn't work for everybody. And some people don't want to take it. In my own case, it doesn't work. However, caffeine is a for me is a good substitute. So I suppose you could say caffeine is my medication.
0: Really good. You've talked in your writings about the three components of ADHD, the distractibility, impulsivity, restlessness. And you said, hey, w- what if we turn these on their heads? And Share with the listeners how these same traits that compose um, significant challenge can actually become positive aspects in the life of someone with ADHD. Those three components, distractibility, impulsivity, and restlessness. Yeah. Flip those for the, us.
1: The, the, the diagnostic manual that defines the condition is centered around those three symptoms, distractibility, impulsivity, and hyperactivity or restlessness. Well, turn distractibility on its head. What do you get curiosity? Yeah, like uh, The reason we're so distractible is we, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? We, we want to know yeah. uh, the non-curious person couldn't care less, you know, then he or she just lets the bombs go off around him. Doesn't care. We want to know, we want to know why did that Petri just dish look different than when I left it. And then by pursuing that, we discovered penicillin, you know, we, we want to know. And, and curiosity is a quality that you can't teach or buy. And and these folks were born with it. I was called the question box when I was a little kid. People got so tired of my questions, they go away. You know, that's that's who we are—endlessly curious. And that impulsivity. Everyone says, "Oh, what a terrible thing that is! He's so disruptive. He's so impulsive. He doesn't think before he acts." And like, well, think about it for a minute. What is creativity? But impulsivity gone right. You don't plan to have a new idea. David Nealman didn't plan to invent the electronic ticket. It popped. It came to him. You know, it comes to you in the shower in the morning or as you're driving to work or when you're falling asleep at night. These ideas pop. They depend upon impulsivity. They depend upon spontaneity. They, They depend upon disinhibition. So all the, you know, the fifth grade teacher wants law and order in her classroom. Well, Don't get too much of that or you'll stamp out creativity. You've got to allow for there to be spontaneity. And then the third one, hyperactivity, you get to be my age. I'm 72. It's called energy. You know, I'm very glad that I was born with this little turbo pack. Once again, you got to learn how to contain these things. I'm not saying this is an unmitigated blessing at all. You have to learn to contain the energy. You have to learn to direct the creativity. You have to have to learn at, at sometimes to suppress your curiosity if you're wanting to stick your nose where you shouldn't stick it, you know. So, so it, it's not open season. Do whatever you want, but it is realize that you have the potential with these three qualities you uh, to be a pretty unusual person because those are all qualities, you know, curiosity, creativity, and energy that you can't buy that. and teach. You know, no, you and, cannot. And so, So then it's just a matter of learning how to marshal them, galvanize them, direct them, control them. And once you do that, sky's the limit.
0: (laughs) That's good stuff. You're talking about this strength-based approach and being able to flip these around as basically these are some of the superpowers. I know that you have a new podcast. I'd also like our listeners to get some resources from you. Share with us those things.
1: Sure. My new podcast is called Dr. Hallowell's Wonderful World of Different colon ADHD and beyond. And we interview all kinds of wonderfully fascinating, interesting people. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, but Dr. Hallowell's wonderful world of different ADHD and beyond. And then for education, you know, my website is full of free information, drhallowell.com, dr, no period, hallowell.com. And then my latest book, ADHD 2.0, I've written 21 books. And of all my books, this one is by far the shortest. It's only about a hundred pages. I finally understood my audience. So don't, if you're afraid of long books and most of us <laughs> with ADR, this one is way short and way punchy and every every chapter has some definite meat on the bone. So,
0: Fantastic. Well, congratulations on that. Well, Ned, I appreciate uh, what you're bringing today and uh, just this focus reframing some things about what life can be like and how successful things can be and how we get to see this condition as being something pretty exciting
1: oh Uh, so is and don't be afraid of it you know i i I look forward to the day when people wish they had it because the upside is so great and the downside can be controlled can be uh, dealt with
0: it's a great message sure appreciate being with us today thank you
1: thank you thank you for having me
0: great to have you here i also want to thank you our listeners for joining Ned and me today it's always great to have you with us I want to remind you that this episode, its resources, and all of our other shows can be found on our webpage at triadhqcom bht. So check out our webpage, tryadhq.com slash bht, and explore our archive of podcasts and other resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today.